You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is fine tune aloha for tonight. Uh, I'd like to deal with the psukim of Rav Chaim David Alevi. Chaim David Alevi was uh, the chief uh, Rishon Lutzion of Tel Aviv. Um, there was uh, a lot of discussion that he would become chief rabbi uh, because for years the position of chief rabbi of Tel Aviv was the stepping stone as it was for Chacham Avadia and for Rav Goren as well for a while to become the chief rabbi of all of Eretz Yisrael. Rechaim David Levy never became chief rabbi of Eretz Yisrael and, but he was very close to one of the uh, the, the Rishon Lutzion sort of Betzion Meir Chai Uziel and Rav Chaim David Levi was a very prolific writer, uh, and probably his most well-known tshuva sefer is called Tshuvas Asei Lucharav. And they're written in a pretty uh, straightforward manner, and uh, I think it's a little, uh, a, a nice segue from what we were talking about in terms of the importance of uh, relationships. So here is the relationship that we're talking about between a husband and wife, and um, a husband and wife, and specifically about keeping the minhagim. So, specifically, a Sephardi and an Ashkenaziah. So, let's see where it starts. Okay. Um, I'm trying. Here we go. Okay, so it starts with the place that everybody likes to talk about the difference in Sephardim and Ashkenazim in terms of Kitnios. But this is really a bigger question than Kitnios. It's really a question of how to get along in a marriage and, and what do you do about Menhagim. So this was from 1984 was this question. Tavshin Dawid Mem. It sounds like Rav Chaim David Levi received this question from another Talmud Chochem, another Rav, he says, you don't really need me, but okay, you want to know what I think. This is a question another rabbi had. Okay, I'm going to try to answer you, and I'll answer you lovingly. Here's the question. There's this orthodox girl, religious girl, that she's about to get married with who? With Bocher Ashkenazi Chiloni. <laughs> she's religious, a Datia, but love is strange. She's going to marry an Ashkenazi Bocher who's not religious. Now, he says to her that he will not interfere at all about religion in their life. In fact, he says, I'll let you decide which schools they go to. Let them be raised from. That's fine. I'm not religious, but we can raise the children religious. In fact, he says, you never know. I'm not ready to be from now, but maybe as time goes on, this Ashkenazi Chiloni says, yeah, I can change my life. So now she came and asked the Shiloh from this other roof. What should she do? Should she follow the minig of her of her parents, or 
the minig of the Ashkenazim, which is where her husband comes from, even though right now he's not religious. So the first Rav said, hmm, this has happened in the past, and this has happened before, where uh, the wife was, uh, the wife, the Tamaniya, uh, was doing everything, Kaminik B'nai Taimon, and she had the children. And then the husband became from. And then once he became from, what happened? Once he became from, Gam Yishto V'gam Bonav Yishnu Archosev and Agu Kaminik Ashkenazim. And that's going to be tough. So now what should we do? It's happened before. May, what should we do in this case? So this is the big episode from Reb Chaim David Levi. Ein shum koach labal l'chof ishto l'shanos minig beisavia. A husband doesn't have the right to force his wife to change the customs from where she came from, and to force her to go like his minute. In which, but with one great caveat, if it doesn't really affect him, if it doesn't really mafriye him in his life. In fact, Reb Chaim David Levi holds, anytime you have a woman who is comes from one sect, not sect, a group, Sephardim, whatever it is, and she is now married to an Ashkenazi. She should continue as much as possible to keep the minhagim of her family, of her father, as long as long as it doesn't affect their married life. Now, what is his source for this? So on this, he's going to go into kidneys because of that. Because in Kidneus, which is a very discussed question and still discussed, even if it's we're now eight weeks after Pesach, but still people will talk about Kidneus all year long, right? Everybody likes to talk about it. But the Postcom spoke about it as well. And the Postcom spoke about a, a situation where an Ashkenazi woman, who she comes from a home where they're Machmar Kidneus, she married a Sephardi. The question was, could she eat on Pesach kidneys? And the postcom will talk about it. Can she now eat rice on Pesach? But never was there a question that she had to eat rice. <laughs> the, question was, the question was, can she, if she wants to, can she now say she's become like a Sephardia? But is she to eat rice? That was never the question. Because think about it. Why should a husband really care if she's eating rice or not? Why should a husband care even though he's eating rice? Why does she have to eat with him? Look, she's cooking in the kitchen and she's cooking everything that he wants. Okay, so she doesn't like to eat it. My wife, for example, is gluten-free. She makes challah almost every week. She makes stuff. Okay it's really upsetting that that, that that she's going to cook it for him, but she's not eating it. Why should you be machai of her to eat? In order to prove this, uh, Rav Chaim David Alevi quotes uh, the, uh, the tshuva of the Knesset Agdola. 
That's from Chaim Ben Venishti. Ben Venishti. Okay, it was in Turkey, I believe. Um, and um, what was the truth of the of the Knesset Hagdela? The Osar Lemi Shenoyag Leechol Oyres Beyond of Achray. Here's an interesting question. Now we all know, you know Tzion's not here on the on the call, uh, but we all know that there is um, shitas. We know there's people, there's there's Sfardim who definitely will eat rice and all kidneys. There's other Sfardim even who will not eat, uh, uh, will not eat rice, will eat, will eat kidneys though, but not rice, beans, but not kidneys, but not rice. There is also a minag that to be machmir on kidneys until the last day of Pesach. Let's take a look. There was a, a, a custom that they didn't eat rice the first seven days, but on the last day, they did. So let's say that last day of Pesach is Shabbos. It's Friday and Shabbos. So now the question is, can the guy cook on Friday, which is the seventh day of Pesach, can he cook on the seventh day of Pesach rice for for Shabbos? Now again, He's made the air of Tavshilin. Um That's not really the question. The question here is, is that what he's cooking today, he won't be able to eat at all. Because today he wouldn't be able to eat it whatsoever. Because in his minag, he doesn't eat rice on the seventh day. But he's cooking on the seventh day to be able to eat on the eighth day. So the Knesset Sagdeva says, you know what? Let's say his wife does eat rice, even all during Pesach. So therefore, have her cook it, because she is able to eat that day. He's also, to him, it's like chametz today. To him, it would be strange to allow him to cook on the seventh day for something he can only eat the eighth day. But his wife, his wife who eats rice, she could cook it on the seventh day, and that's okay, even though she's going to cook a little bit more, and that'll be for him on Shabbos. So what do you see from there, Reb Chaim Levi says? <laughs> you have a case of a family where she is eating rice, and she's cooking the whole time for herself, and her husband isn't eating rice because he holds that you can't eat rice. There's only a special kula on the last day of Pesach. And the Knesset says, you know what? She can cook for him on the sixth day for her husband uh, that he should be able to eat on the last day. Why? Because anyway, she can cook on the sixth day for herself, on, on, on the seventh day for herself. It's going the seventh to the eighth day. So she can cook on the seventh day for herself. So you see, from this whole story, from this chuva, what is she doing eating rice? What is she doing eating rice? Her husband is machmir. Uh, forget about being a Sparty or an Ashkenazi. He comes from a kehila that does not eat rice until the last day of Pesach. And yet, it, their assumption was that that's his chumrah, but maybe his wife doesn't have that. So his wife is similar to a regular case, and we would say a Sephardi to an Ashkenazi. But the Sephardiag woman is cooking and eating rice the whole time. 
So he says, he says for sure the opposite. <laughs> Let's say where 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 the woman is machmer. <laughs> in the case of the Knesset Sagdolo, she's eating rice, her husband isn't. And she's mamish openly going against the minig of her of her husband's family. Her husband's family doesn't eat, and and Chaim Ben Benishti is assuming that she can be sitting and eating even though her husband isn't. Still, she's still allowed to do that. For sure, in the other case, where she wants to be machmer on herself, like her own family, and she doesn't want to eat, why should you force her to eat? So this is his proof uh, to this idea. Um, I want to show you a, a couple of other important points here. He says, you do a ksav rabbeinu, you know about me, Levi is saying, I think minhagim are very important. And that was because of Kavadatera. What minig was he mavatel? The minig that everybody gets an ali on Simchasera. He felt that was wrong. Okay, whatever. But every other minute that I've been asked about, I'm here in Eretz Yisrael, and people are telling me they're minogim, even if they seem strange, look, this is your community, you have this minig, and I've told people not to be mazniach their minig, as long as it's not against the So, obviously, it's hard for me, bitul minhoge bas Yisrael, how can I be mevatel, the minhogim of a girl, that she had these minhogim in her home because she's now married to someone else? If there's no problem in the household, there's nothing really beniotik and bias. Nothing is upset in terms of the way the household runs. The fact that he wants her to be like him, that's not considered a real obstacle. Um, and as he writes here, of course, the husband has the right to force her. But there's got to be a Tom Hegoya in Betina Zabao. There's got to be some logic of why he wants to be machmir. There's got to be a reason why he wants her to change. It can't just be, you got to be like me. That's not enough. Now, he does say here, he brings here earlier, that it could be the minhagim that a woman has are anyway aren't lasting. Well, Rav Moshe Feinstein says a similar svara, which is the din that Bonim always go after their father's Chumrah, that's about boy children. When it comes to girls, we can say that every girl realizes that she is not chayef to take on the Chumras of her father. Why? Because 
she doesn't know if she's going to marry someone specifically who has those chumras. Maybe her husband won't have those chumras. So therefore, there's almost like an assumption a girl has growing up that she's not Makabel, the chumras of her father, because she knows she's going to get married in the future and her life might change. So, that is one of the svaras that we say that Rav Moshe also quotes this, how a husband can say, I don't care if you did this by your father. The chumra, the, the minig was really never hooked into you because there was the understanding that you would probably get married and you never knew you were going to get married to. And therefore, the, you can't say this is your minig lahachmir because you realize that a, a woman realizes that her, her life is going to change. That's a svara that the, the Sefer Admas Kodesh writes, or Moshe Feinstein writes something similar. Rechaim David Alevi doesn't disagree with it completely, but he does seem to say, still, to force someone to stop their minhagim seems to be something which is 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 incorrect psychologically. Um, even if you take a look at 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 Kitneus, which he says everybody knows, like rice on Pesach, everyone knows rice is mutter to eat. But still, once a chumrah develops, once a minig develops, it's clear that the minig is something that is very difficult. To, uh, to cancel out. Now, without getting into uh, Kitneus, I just want to show you this. To, to force her to eat rice. But he can force her to cook for her. That he can, as we said before. Now, What's the reason why we're talking? No, so Avrami, Chaim uh, Dabar Levi is going with a different mahalach. There is a mahalach that, that her minhagim are vague in general. Um, and therefore, she never really has, a girl never really has minhagim kabuim. She knows she's going to marry her husband, and it's like she's going to be she's going to be traveling to her husband's home and to her husband's life, and therefore, uh, the idea is is that she never really has strong minhagim. I think Rav Chaim David Alevi disagrees. He he understands shalom bias is a very important thing, but I think he's trying to really push shalom bias on the husband. The husband needs to be honest and say, does this really bother me that she has this different minute in terms of what she eats and what things she does? Um, Rabbi. Yes. This is what we're talking about, uh, Jackie. We're not sure. Rukhayim David Alevi says only the minhagim that are mafria, the marriage life in terms of running the house 
But if she has private minhagim, she doesn't. Rav Chaim David Levi does not believe she needs to change her minhagim just because she is. No, according to him, there's that outlook is not true. According to this, the Gemara. We're going to talk about it. The halacha talks about accepting the chumras of the place you're going to. It doesn't talk about, there's almost no sources about a wife changing her menhagen because of her husband. It doesn't even appear in the According to Reb Chaim David Alevi, she's not Chayev. Okay. Um, th- th- this yes, huh? y- th- where the halachot? Yeah, Yitzchak. We're, in Shulchan Aruch, it doesn't say it. Nothing. In Shulchan Aruch, it's, it's the later poskim who speak about it. Okay. If you take, take a look, Jackie. Look at what I'm going to look. What we're going to look at right now. Lo matzanu b'mishnu b'talmud hisyachsut l'nisuin bein kivatahayim. We don't find. In the Gemara, a discussion when different communities, the, what happens when a woman marries a man from a different community, even though, of course, there were different minhagim. So, in the Gemara, there actually is very little discussion about this. But here, let's talk about another case before we move on to this. And I see we're, <laughs> right? That's the reason why I wanted to actually do this, because it isn't so simple. Um, let, let me read it again to you, Jackie. Isha bas edam misuyemes. Okay? Shenisa leben eda acheret. Now, um, uh, your daughter-in-law, she was Ashkenazia, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm Ashkenazia. So is your wife, right? But your daughter-in-law, um, right? She's she's a, an Ashkenazi. She married Ori, yeah. who's his father. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if if it's not if it doesn't interfere, and we already saw the case where where the woman is cooking, the woman's eating. Okay. The Ashkenazim, you're right, they're not macabre this psak. But maybe they should. Maybe, look, maybe they should. Okay? This is a very complex, this is a very complex issue. And there are different uh, post-scheme right. that as far as they go by different post-scheme, Ashkenazim right. go by different post-scheme. I know. We so are... I don't think it should be post for him. I'm not. I'm not paskening for him. I'm saying that Rav Chaim David Alevi wanted. This was his approach. What we're doing is is, is looking at his argument. Avadia, Rav Moshe, there are different shitas on this, but he is he is trying to put on the table a certain approach. Now I'm not telling Jackie what he should do, and I'm not telling Omri what he should do. 
I am trying to explain the approach, this approach, which is a Shalom Bayes approach, and it's not Kim Lebedev's approach. I thought it would be interesting for you to see that and to see that there is this Mahalak and Halacha. Now, let, let me, let, let's just fear ice a little bit. We're, we're, we're not finished yet. Um, Neither side can force. A husband can't force the wife unless they can you see there's a machlokas coming. If there's a machlokas coming up because of it, again, the, the husband can't get it out of his head that, that his wife is not eating rice with him and there's and he can't change. Then it has the din of kolech mimokom lemokom. Why? If you go to another place, you're not supposed to do their min, your minhag publicly, right? And in fact, even privately in certain cases, if you're going to stay there. Why? Al yishanim at machlokas. Well, now the machlokas is there. So, so here, Moshe Yitzchak, if it's clear that the husband is not going to listen to Chaim the Panalevi. He says, look, you've got, you're my wife. We're doing it this way. I want to, and when I have rice, you're going to be eating rice now, or whatever the minag is, then that's already a machlokas. Okay, look, she can show him, she can show him, <laughs> she can show him this, this psaq. He says, I don't care. I, I have a different bosek. Okay, so now it's a machlokas already. <laughs> Once it's already a machlokas, Okay, so now, once it's a machlokas, so now she goes like her husband, whether it's a chumra or a kula. Um, let's talk about one other question, which we talk about kidneys. How about this? If it comes to a minig, is one thing. What about lagabi dinin? What, what about lagabi halachot? For example, let's say, according to her, where she comes from, um, this is this is called treif. How could you think because she got married to someone else, it can now become mutter? For example, you have a sfardia. Okay, so we know what baser nefucha is, right? That's where you blow up. You take like you take the lung and you blow it. And if you don't, if there aren't any sirchas in it, you say that everything is fine. Okay, that is the minig of the Ashkenazim. The Sfardim will not do that, right? The Sfardim, if it's not chalak, the Sfardim will not eat it. Right, exactly, chalak. Now. So let's say I'm going to I'll, I'll I'll put it on the table. I I would assume my daughter-in-law came from a house where they only ate chalak. I'm sure that they only ate chalak, like the Beis Yosef. That's not a minig lachumra ba'alma Ashkenaz. That's the din gummer. If you hold it, if you if, coming from the Spartan, that's mamish. That's din. That's eating the other thing is not eating kosher. So now she gets married to an Ashkenazi. Yeah, he's like the Rama. He says, Could my son, Chaim, I don't think he could force her to do much anyway, but could he force her to, to oh, we're going to be eating, uh, we're going to be eating not, we're going to be eating the, the Ramos glot. We're not going to be eating the, uh, the real glot. 
or let's say, too bad Michael's not here. <laughs> let's say the minig was uh, that she waited six hours, like the rector like Shulchan Aruch, and she comes from, let's say, from Germany. Uh, he comes from Germany. He says, is it possible to think that that she could for that he could force her now to start eating milachiks earlier? So therefore, he says. It's obviously different when you go from place to place. Chazal were worried about that because it's going to turn into a fight and it's going to get to the to the head of the town, right? Because it isn't just when you come to a city and start acting differently than their rabbi, then you're not just against everyone else around you. It's also a pigia in the Rav who paskins for that. And that, of course, is a very difficult machlekes. But but now we know, let's say, for example, that was in those days when the cities were different. But let's say today in Eretz Yisrael, everyone knows it's a whole mishmash. Bukharim are this way, Sfarim are this way, Marakayim are this way. Everyone is living together and doing their own minhagim, right? It's not, no big machlekes. So therefore, Nobody would say, oh, you can't act like this way. Because we realize everyone knows things are different. So it's the same thing when a, a wife and a husband get married. The, only, the fact that, that they're doing two different minogam, everybody knows she comes from this community and he comes from there. So she won't eat, she'll only eat Beis Yosef. And he'll eat Ramah. If they're Shalom bias, okay, that's different. So therefore, if, this, if, if it's clearly not Shalom bias, she can continue. And he should not force her. But if she wants uh, to change... One second. If she decides if she decides that she is going to want to change her minag, so she should go be... Uh, she should... According to Rav Moshe, she doesn't need to. According, but according to Rav Chaim David Alevi, she should be shoyal on her minag. So I, she should be. She should go to a rov and say, uh, "I, I and, and get a heter." It's the heter, so that would be uh, the situation. Okay, we'll continue with more more stuff on this uh, tomorrow. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 